Some have, some are a little behind the ball, maybe. Um, so I am usually a staunch, no decorating for Christmas before Thanksgiving person. Uh, but this year it was just easier to agree to my pregnant wife that we could do it before uh, Thanksgiving. So uh, most of our decorations have been up for a couple of weeks now, except for the tree. I wouldn't budge on the tree. Uh, we went to go uh, get the tree on Friday. Um, but one of the things that I look forward to putting up every year, and I've looked forward to, to setting it up uh, even as a child, is the, the nativity scene. And uh, we have a, a little children's uh, nativity scene here. How, how many of you have like a special nativity scene uh, that you put up every year? Yeah. Um, most nativity scenes feature these characters that, that we have here. You, you, you know, you've got the divine messenger, the angel uh, Gabriel. Uh, you've got the proud parents, Mary and Joseph. You've got uh, the shepherds who were the first to hear the good news. You've got uh, the, the magi who came from the east bringing gifts uh, unsuited for a child. Uh, but if anyone wants to give Bree and I a gold bar, um, <laughs> we'll take it. Um, most of our nativity scenes have these core main characters of the Christmas story. But as I was thinking about uh, Advent this year and preparing this sermon series, uh, I had the thought, what about the characters that aren't in our nativity scenes, the characters that are kind of relegated to the background, you, you could call them the B-list characters. And that's where this, this sermon series title comes from, B-list Christmas, is because we're not going to be looking at the, uh, the cherished and loved main characters of the Christmas story this year. Instead, we're going to be looking at characters who are kind of in the background of the story. Um, so uh, this, this week, we're going to look at the first of these B-list characters. And really, he's not even someone who's in the story at all. The first person that we're going to look at in this uh, series is Luke. Luke wasn't in the story, but he wrote the story down. And... Uh, the reason we're, we're looking at not only Luke, but each of these characters is because I believe they have a lot to teach us about the meaning of the season and the meaning of Christmas for us today. And so I want to invite you to turn with me if you have your Bibles or you want to follow along on your phones. We're going to read from the Gospel of Luke, uh, the first four verses of the first chapter this morning. So Luke 1, verses 1 through 4. Luke writes this. Many people have already applied themselves to the task of compiling account of the events that have been fulfilled among us. They use the original eyewitnesses and servants of the word handed down to us. But now, after having investigated everything carefully from the beginning, I have also decided to write a carefully ordered account for you, most honorable Theophilus. I want you to have confidence 
in the soundness of the instruction that you have received. So that's Luke's like preamble, his, his introduction uh, to this whole story. He, he takes a moment to set the scene and, and say, I've written this story for these reasons. Now, um, Luke is, is really an important character, and, and he's unique when it comes to uh, the writers in the New Testament for, for a couple of reasons. Luke is unique when it comes to the other gospel writers because he was the, only, he was the gospel writer who was least familiar with the actual person of Jesus. So if you look at the other Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and John, Matthew was one of the disciples, right? He, he was someone who was called personally by Jesus from tax collecting, and he followed Jesus as one of the 12 disciples. So he knew Jesus and his story really well because he traveled with him for three years. Then there's John. He was also one of the, the 12 disciples, but he was even more in the inner circle because he was one of the three that was closest to Jesus. We always hear about Peter, James, and John. John was one of the disciples closest to Jesus, and so we can trust that when he tells us stories about what Jesus said or what Jesus did, that they actually happened. And then there was Mark, and Mark wasn't one of the original 12 disciples. He was probably a lot younger than uh, the other 12, but we know for certain that Mark was there when some of the events happened. Specifically, he was there uh, on, uh, in Jesus's last week. He was there when Jesus was arrested, and so we can also trust that when Mark talks about the things that he saw and witnessed in Jesus's life, particularly uh, at the time of his crucifixion that Mark was there because he saw it. But Luke, not so much. L Luke wasn't one of the disciples uh, as far as we know, he wasn't there uh, for any of the actual events of Jesus's life. We don't know that Luke actually knew Jesus at all or had met him at all. Uh, he had to rely on, as I, as I read in the opening verses, the testimony of other people. He had to get the story from eyewitnesses who saw it for themselves because he didn't see it for himself. That's one of the things that makes Luke really unique, is he is the gospel writer least familiar with the story of Jesus. Uh, but Luke, that isn't the only thing that makes him unique. Luke was also the only non-Jewish author in the entire New Testament. He was a Gentile. Uh, that's just a little trivia question for you the next time you're watching Jeopardy and they ask who's, who's uh, the only non-Jewish author in the New Testament, you'll know right away that it was Luke. He's the only Gentile author in uh, the New Testament. And by Jewish standards, the Gentiles were everyone who wasn't part of God's chosen covenant people. And so the Gentiles were really viewed by the Jewish people as outsiders. They were outsiders. He wasn't an insider. He wasn't one of the chosen select. He wasn't one of the disciples who followed Jesus. And so by all accounts, Luke is the very epitome of what it means to be a B-list person. He's a B-lister. He, he's, he's an outsider. Um, 
But I think that's part of what makes Luke really important and tells us something really important about uh, the Christmas story. Because I believe it was because Luke was an outsider himself. It's because Luke was a B-lister himself that he was empathetic to all the other outsiders and all the other B-listers of the world. Um, He paid attention to the people that others discounted or wrote off or ignored completely. And perhaps more than any of the other gospel writers, Luke highlights stories that included more diverse and inclusive people in his gospel. So for instance, just to to highlight this, Luke is the only place in all the gospels that we hear the story of the prodigal son, the lost son, the lost coin, the lost sheep, which shows us that Luke had this emphasis on Jesus coming to seek and save the lost, the outsider. Luke is the only gospel that includes the story of the Good Samaritan, which shows us that uh, perhaps the people that can embody the, the, the teaching and the life of Jesus the most aren't just the insiders, but also the outsiders, the people that a lot despised and rejected. Um, Luke's story goes to such great lengths to show that Jesus is the savior of the whole world. Not just the savior of some, but Jesus is the savior of the whole world, all people. And in the Gospel of Luke, we see more stories where Jesus talks to and uh, has conversations uh, about and tells stories uh, to women and children and uh, Roman officials and Samaritans, and the weak, and the lowly, and the poor, and the diseased. Luke goes to such great lengths to include all of these people in his story, to show beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus is the Savior of everyone. Not just a few, everyone, from lepers to Samaritans. Um, In Luke's gospel, it makes it clear that Jesus' mercy and Jesus' love extends to even the outsiders. Um, now, Luke wanted to make sure that uh, he wrote down this gospel story so that all of us and everyone who might consider themselves maybe not part of the story can know that in fact, They are, we are, part of the story too. In the opening verses of Luke's gospel, uh, we see that he addressed this story to, uh, who did he write the story to? Theophilus. Theophilus. I I was in the adult Sunday school class, and uh, uh, we talked about this guy, Theophilus. And uh, Jim Painter, uh, when asked, uh, what do we know about Theophilus? He said right away, we know nothing about him. We we know absolutely nothing about this guy named Theophilus, other than the fact that Luke says he's an honorable, he's an excellent person. That's all we know about Theophilus. Um, 
And so many scholars and people have tried to figure out just exactly who this guy is, that Luke writes this gospel to him. Many uh, people tend to believe that he was an actual literal person, a guy named Theophilus that woke up and put his pants on one leg at a time and went to work and everything like you and me. And we're not really sure why Luke writes it to him, but uh, many people believe that he was an actual person. And then there's others who argue that um, he wasn't an actual person at all, that maybe this is just some figural person that represents a bigger audience. I tend to believe that, and I tend to believe it because the name Theophilus roughly translates as God-lover, God-lover, okay? And so when you look at it that way, it, it seems that Luke may be writing this story to all the people in the world who loved God. And that may be true. But then I look at the rest of the Gospel of Luke, and and I read in Luke's Gospel how he had such a commitment to include everyone as part of the story. He was an outsider himself. And so it makes me wonder, if he was an outsider, and he wants to go to such great lengths to show that everyone is included in the story, why, when he writes it, would he just write it to all the people who are God lovers? Why would he just write it to the people who already know and love and follow God? And so the way I tend to read his name, this figural person of Theophilus, is not God lover, but another way you can read it is beloved of God. Beloved of God. I think that Luke writes this gospel to Theophilus to sort of tip his hand right from the very beginning. To say to each person who reads this story that this story is for you. That you may not know it yet, but you are a beloved, you're beloved by God. You're a beloved child of God. I think he writes this story to people who have been told or believed that they are outsiders. They're lost. They're not part of the inside group so that they can come to realize that this story is for everyone. Luke's aim in writing this story is so that others, people, can come to know the certainty of the things that have happened. So that all the outsiders of the world, all the poor, all the weak, all the lowly people of the world can come to know and see themselves as beloved by God. He's writing this story down because it's a story for all people so that others might know that in spite of the fact they're lost, in spite of the fact they're hurting, in spite of the fact they may be poor in spirit, in spite of the fact that they consider themselves or they've been told that they're outsiders, that they can know that Jesus came 
for them. That's the very definition of Christmas. What we celebrate during the season of Advent is the coming of Jesus for all people. That Jesus didn't come just for some, but he came for all out of his great love for us. Now, we're sitting here in church and we're reading this story. And I know a lot of us here may at one time have thought of ourselves as lost or hurting or outsiders, but now we're here and we're part of this family. And so in many ways, we're no longer outsiders. We're the insiders because we have come to know and experience the love of God. And so we've been grafted into this great family. And so part of what Luke's message is for us this Advent season is that we're the insiders now. And there's a whole world out there filled with people who are outsiders. And Luke had this great commitment to write down this story and tell this story so that all those outsiders could become insiders. And so part of what this Advent message from Luke is about is a reminder to us that our task is the same as Luke's. Our task is to tell other people of the story so that they can know the certainty of the things that we have experienced ourselves, that Luke experienced, so that they can also come to see and know themselves as beloved by God. And so uh, today, uh, I have a challenge for you. I've got um, these invitation cards um, that are going to get handed out when you come up for communion. And I want you to think about one person in your life, one person that you know in your family or um, at your work or your school, who might view themselves as lost or an outsider, or lonely. Someone who you believe could benefit from this message of Jesus and Christmas, and that he came to, to, to let everyone know that this isn't for just a few, but it's for all. And so I want you to think about one person, one person who you can tell this story to, or that you can invite to worship here on an Advent Sunday or on Christmas Eve and give them this card. Tell them your story. Let's pray. Gracious God, we, we give you thanks. We give you thanks that uh, you didn't come just for a few he didn't come just for the insiders. He didn't come just for the people who have everything together, but you came for each of us, the ones who are lost, the ones who uh, don't know the way, the ones who are hurting and suffering, the ones who know we need a Savior. Help us to be like Luke 
and come to, to see ourselves as beloved of God and help us to think of one person who we believe deserves to hear that message too. Call to mind one person in our life right now who we can tell about the good news of the Christmas story. Call to our minds one person right now who we could invite so that they could come to know and believe that they are beloved of God as well. We pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. Amen.